0: The Lord has been speaking to me about things, about what is coming next for us as a church, and um, we have a journey ahead of us. Delamine um, was in spirit when she was leading prayers, talking about uh, fixing your eyes on what's ahead of you, not getting distracted. Uh, things about to switch a little bit in Transmas Church. We're gonna get start rolling up, uh, rolling up our sleeves and get busier. As uh, you guys may be aware, that we went live with this phase of the church in June. So, still a bit of infancy, but we've been around for over two years. Amen. So, we have some, God is calling us to do a few things. Uh, just to kind of touch base on those, so not, not touch base, call out a few things that God is calling us to, God is calling us to be people who are life changers. Uh, so, from next week, you may hear Jeremy's announcement or welcome, you know, the, the language change. Yeah, just to give you heads up. I'm still working on it, a few things God has laid in my spirit. And uh, I'm going to prayerfully work on them with a few of you guys until we're able to craft a new slogan, in a sense, uh, communicate who we are. God is calling us to be life changers. Yes, our mission is to help you discover and become what God has called you to be, but we're going to, God is called, asking me to put what he wants to be right in front of you, a life changer, a difference maker. Now, one of the words that God gave to us as a church before we started, I mean, my own personal calling, and while, he, while he was preparing me for ministry, is from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. It said, do not be conformed to this word any longer. Do not try to fit into the standard of this word any longer, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the, God is calling us to be a church who does not conform, but transform. A church who changes things. And it wants us to walk in the consciousness of that identity. Teenagers, I'm sure you can hear me. So when you go to school, you don't see yourself as someone who conforms or who's trying to fit in, but someone who brings change, who brings light. Amen. Teenagers, did you hear that? God is calling you to be a person, a difference maker, a person who makes a difference. So don't look at all your friends and try to think of how do I fit in. No, you don't belong to darkness. And when I'm talking about fitting in, I'm not talking about Christian circles. But what what many teenagers do, you guys know what you do on TikTok. I've seen quite a lot. That to, to a point, that um, I have to fast and pray to purge myself with all kind of madness that I see on TikTok. Uh, but I don't blame them because they are of the world; they don't know better. Amen. So you are a difference maker. I'm going to ask you the teenage the, the teenage girls this evening when we have our meeting. So you are a difference maker. You are a life changer. You don't conform, you transform. Amen. So I'll help you guys put some confessions together that we recite every week to, you know, to prepare our mind. You go to the workplace, they ask you that you need to lie to get something, or you need to draw someone under the bus. You remember, no, you don't conform, you change, you transform. You're a child of light, you're a light barrier. You carry light, you be a light. Amen. So these are the things that God has been telling me and um i would do some homework in that regards to ensure that it's at our forefront and we begin to see ourselves that way amen praise the lord so those are the things i brought from you from my holiday and i'm sure that um you guys will thank me for that later on amen fantastic let's do this so today i want to continue talking about the gift of a walking of miracles I think I need to apologise for last week because I was I, I tried to finish that that teaching. I tried to, you know, and I, and I was like, you know, you rushed that. Oh, I was like, I just want to move on to the next thing. So that's to tell you guys that sometimes you you, you see me teach uh, or you hear me teach uh, about the Holy Spirit for fifteen weeks. I was, you know, I'm sure you guys enjoyed it. But sometimes as a pastor too, I just want to move on to the next stuff. You know, I know the next thing that God wants me to teach, which is uh, the believer's authority. And I can't wait to get into it because that you will see a lot of drama there. But I have to finish this. <laughs> Amen. So I tried to rush the one last week, but um, I apologize for that. So if we happen to find, to find ourselves spending six weeks on this one, you know it's not my fault. Right. I just have to teach you guys to ensure that you guys understand this. You know, gone are the days that we go to church, you hear something, it gets you excited, and you cannot apply it. You can't leave it out, you can't practice it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Right. So uh, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 14. If I'm reading this, you know that I've repented. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 14. Of seven. So, from the uh, New King James Version, you know, guys, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just stop at verse 11. Okay, I'm still repenting. Right about <laughs> verse 11. All right, so let's go. Uh, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another, Faith, by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings, by the same spirit. To another, the walking of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as it wills. Amen. So verse 10 tells us there that, there's a gift of a spirit, which is called walking of miracles. Walking of miracles. So last week, Sunday, while we met online, I tried to differentiate between miracles and the walking of miracles. Right? And I tried to, uh, based on what God laid in my heart to do, he asked me to expose the, the, the flaws of living a, Christ, a, a miracle-centered Christian life. A Christian life that only seeks miracles. And that's what I tried to do uh, with us last week. So I'm going to do a recap because a few things I did not clearly, in my own opinion, when I was I've listened to the message about twice now. I, I don't think I I kind of did a good job in expounding it for you guys because I want to, I was trying to get into the next thing so that we can, you know, we don't... You know, when someone asks the kids in church, like, what have you guys been learning in church? It's about the Holy Spirit. We've been on this matter for nearly six months. <laughs> so, but I repented, right? So tell them six months. So if they ask you kids that, but what is it about the Holy Spirit? You tell them to send them to YouTube and they can, re- they can discover themselves that there's more to the Holy Ghost than people think. Amen. Let's carry on. So uh, from previous weeks, I've tried to, you know, um, share with us the three categories. <clears throat> excuse me, the three categories of, of these nine gifts of the spirit that we found in the Bible in First Corinthians twelve seven to eleven. Uh, we we, we categorized them based on Howard Carter, and I've also learned from Papa uh, Kennehe again. Revelation gift, power gift, and utterance gifts. Revelation are the gifts that reveal something to you. Uh, they reveal the mind of God. They, reveal, they open your eyes to see things in the spiritual, in the supernatural realm, in a sense. So we have word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the sending of spirit. All of three of these we've covered. We have now in the next um, category power gifts. We've looked at uh, and power gifts are the gifts that do something. Please don't forget that when we talk about the gift of the spirit, we're not talking about, um, we, we, it's not. The gift here is not in the in the uh, I need English here. So, gift here does not refer does not mean that a person have a right of ownership to those gifts of the spirit. So, it's not. It's, so, when we talk about gift, here, we're not saying that you own it. This is your own. This is my gift. These are not ministry gifts. These are gifts of the spirit. These are manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Among believers to benefit the local church. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost will quicken a person, we walk through a person to benefit other believers. So the manifestations here, when the Bible says that it's one as um it is one and the same spirit, and it distributes it distributes this as a wheels, which means you know, depending on the need. In any point in time, in a local assembly among believers, the Holy Ghost, through these manifestations, can walk through a believer to be a blessing to the local body, to the believers. So there's no exclusive right of ownership to this gift. So if somebody tells you that, you know, this is my gift, this is my special gift, they are not thinking correctly. They are ministry gifts, we we'll talk about that in future, but these are gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and I also want to reiterate that many times some believers may function in one gift or the one gift more frequently or than other Christians because they are well aware they are well acquainted with the gift they know how you oppress, they can eat quickly or easily yield themselves to the holy ghost when the need arises amen so i've talked on that before i'm just reiterating that So we've looked at the gift of faith. Now we're looking at the gift of uh, the working of miracles. Gift of faith, we we summarizing that is about you know uh, a supernatural ability to hold on to God's word to receive a miracle to see God's God's will come to pass in a a local assembly among believers. So it's this gift of gift of the spirit is more on the side of receiving. But walking of miracles is when the person actually demonstrates the power of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I feel like entering into Apostle Paul's anointing right now and, and, and preach, but that would take me off call. And I have uh, just a short time with you guys this morning to teach this. So walking of miracles is also a power gift, but it does something. It works the miracles. It demonstrates the power of God. And don't forget, it's a Holy Spirit what quickens a believer to demonstrate the power of God? So, a believer should not stand up one day or wake up one day and say, You know what? I want to demonstrate the power of God. I want to walk miracles. That should not be the thinking in the mind of a believer. Right? If a miracle is not needed, why do you want to do a miracle? Then you, it means you want to walk a miracle for sure for an ulterior motive. Amen. When Jesus sent out his disciples' great commission, he asked, us, he asked us to go and make disciples of people. Baptize people into Christ. Lead people into Christ. Teach them the things he has taught us. Jesus did not send us to go and work miracles. He asked us to go and make disciples. Yes, in his own time, he sent out his disciples to go work miracles. He didn't even ask him to go work miracles. He asked them to go and preach and those guys, they did miracles. They came back to Jesus. They said, this happened, this happened. And he told them not to... They don't allow that to entice you. Not entice. Don't allow that to surprise you. It's not a big deal. Right? Miracles should not be big deals for believers. The eyes of the blind open and the whole church is upside down. They are screaming and they are stampeding on one another. No, it means that we do not understand or know that we belong, that we belong to the supernatural realm. We are not normal human beings. Amen. This is just still coming down to my message. So if I said something that I didn't say clearly, probably I will most likely clarify it as we uh, get on. So last week I quickly defined towards what a miracle is. But one thing I was trying to say last week that I think I didn't clarify is that miracle can be positive and can be negative. Right? Miracles can be positive and can be negative. Looking at the simplistic definition of a miracle, it's a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. So the supernatural intervention could be for destruction or could be for construction. Because devils, demons, evil powers, evil worshippers, Satan worshippers, they also do miracles and they call it miracles to destroy Right? So, any supernatural activity, something you cannot attribute to science that intervenes in the course of nature, either to destroy or to build, it's a miracle. Amen. And it's important that we learn to look at some words in the, you know, be able to sometimes isolate a word and look at what that word really means. Amen. And um, one of the reasons why I thought I should clarify that is that in the realm of the spirit, in the spiritual realm, there's more than... Okay, let's go there. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 6.10. Let's go Ephesians 6.10. Nick and James, Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles there means deception, lies, schemes, trickery of the devil. Watch this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. against, uh, Against principalities... Against powers, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So Paul is saying to us, say, there are wicked spirits in the spiritual realm. And if these guys, you know, do something, right? If they intervene in the ordinary course of nature, that is also a miracle. Now, what I'm trying to do is to prepare your mind and help you to be mindful of the source of any miracle you see. Because not every miracle is from God. Praise the Lord. Not every miracle is from God. So that's something I think I missed out last week. I did not have a chance, I didn't, because I was in a hurry a little bit. I didn't really break it out. So, if we end up six weeks in this one, we, we know that God is with us. Amen. So, I gave us the definitions of the supernatural, you know. We're talking about forces, uh, or events that are beyond scientific understanding. Science cannot explain them, right? And then when we talk about nature, we're talking about, you know, uh, the, the physical world collectively, including plants, animals, landscape, things that God created. So people who don't believe in God will have a problem to understand what nature means here because they believe that some people who believe in Big Bang Theory. It just doesn't even make sense. Big Bang Theory does not make sense. You know, a, a highly sophisticated and, compli- and complex creature like me, you're telling me I came out of something that broke, something that destroyed, something that, something destroyed. Pieces. Do you know what? Let's, let, let me try and mess up this mindset a little bit. Imagine a piece of plate, right? A piece of plate, a uh, ceramic plate. You smash it and it broken to pieces. It means all of its parts are broken, shattered, not together. And you are saying a complicated organism, uh, organism like me, I mean, very complex, I mean, my brain, my mind, everything working together. You, say, you tell me I came out of something that's shattered. They are not well. Tell them, I said, Captain. So they said that thinking is not well, and that scientist can come and sit down with me and let us have one to one. They are not where well. their head is not correct. Amen. I'm not. I don't blame some parents who decide who choose to um, homeschool their kids. There's some things I think. I'm, I'm, there are some courses I think I'm going to allow my children to fail in school. Yeah, I So I said this one, we will fail it. We fail this course because we, re- we want to tell the school that we don't believe in this. So this one will fail it. And the fact that we fail it doesn't mean we are failure. It's, because it's what we're simply saying that we do not subs- sub- subscribe to this. Thank you for the understanding it's given to me. Except for you guys who want to study medicine and all kind of stuff, we'll have to go to uni. If my any of my kids wants to study business, uh, they don't need to go to uni. Except they want to be executive director. And I'll tell you that some certain things that will not working, that work against you because of the African you come from. So is that I you, you allow me to empower you to be that business person? Amen. No offense to my guys who, uh, you know, who are from the West. I'm talking to my guys who are from Africa. Amen. I get. I'm sure we get the gist. Amen. So parents, I'm just gonna trust God for you guys to be enlightened for you to know how to work with your kids and you know train them because the systems of schools in the world we have today that is led and governed by ungodly people. We mess up the mind of the kids. They don't know God, so what they know is what they what what they choose to believe is what they're gonna teach to your kids. Amen. Let me not get distracted. Right. So, uh, nature. We define nature. Every collectively, what you can say. Let's getting, things are about to get excited. So let's let's um. Let's fasten our seatbelt. Amen. So. I give an example of miracles in the Bible. Now, this is not the walking of miracles. I've explained to us earlier, the walking of miracles, when the Holy Ghost walks through a person holding on to God's walk, walking the miracle and stuff like that. I've, showed, I've, just, I've touched on it. I'm going to, uh, you know, when I'm wrapping up, when I'm closing this on this topic, I'm going to touch, back, uh, touch base on that again. Now, last week I ended up by um, sharing with us, I started sharing with us the downsides of living a miracle-centered Christian life a miracle center. When I say a miracle center, I'm talking about a Christian life that is seeking for miracles. It's from miracle to miracle. I used to know a lady when I was much younger. Now, when we invited this lady to our church back then, she said, you can say that she's withdrawn back. She does not want to come. And we asked her one day, so why are you always withdrawn? You don't want to You hold back when you invited to church? He said, hmm, the power of God is not in that place. There's a church I used to attend. The power of God is heavily there. So, If if, if for a Sunday or two Sundays, they didn't see a lot of manifestation of the power of God in quotes, you know what they do? They look for another church. Miracles are happening there. God is there. Friends, can I tell you? Now, signs and wonders are not an indication of the presence of God in a place. I repeat, signs and wonders are no signs of the presence of God in a place. So, if you say signs and wonders are indications of God's presence in the place. So the next question I'm going to ask you is this. What is God's presence? How do you define God's presence? Yeah, How do you define God's presence? So are you trying to say that in your bedroom, because there are no signs and wonders going on in your bedroom, God is not there? I'm not surprised some people think that way because it's the reason why if an house fly... You know, running across their bedroom, they are thinking of calling pastor. Thank God I'm not raising those kind of people. Because we call my number, it will not go through. Amen. So how do you define the presence of God? You know, when you hear things like, when people go to church and they say, Father, may your presence come. Let your presence come into our midst. I don't understand. Are you saying the presence was lost? Or when you are praying, see, see, there's no offense to you. There's no offense to you guys, right? You guys can tell I'm about to get excited now. There's no offense to you. You know when you say, "Father, as we go, let your presence go with us." Uh, we, 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 we uh, uh, I don't understand. Are you saying this presence is going to stay in the church? No, no. Let's think about it. Let your presence go with us. Have you forgotten what the Bible says? It says Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Bible tells you that when you re- when you believed in Christ, Ephesians 1.13, that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Have you forgotten the Bible says that God has sent the Spirit of His Son into us? St. Corinthians tells us that if. Do you not know that Christ Jesus is in you? Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John 10:30 said, I am my Father. We are one. I don't get that equation. So we end with the tones of scriptures and and, and revelations that tells you that you're a carrier of God's presence. You are not praying that God's presence should go with you. I don't understand. That prayer is not right. Because it lives in you. It walks with you. He said, I will be their God. I will be their Father. I will be in them. Jesus said, whosoever believes, he said, my Father and I will come and Make our abode in them. John fifteen tells us. He said, "You are the." He said, "The Bible says Jesus is the vine. You are the branch." He said, "If you abide in Him and, and His Word abides in you, how many scriptures and illustrations do you want? Do you want me to give you to tell you that God's presence is in you? Is working with you? So when you don't understand what the presence of God is, that's why you're jumping from church to church, or people are jumping from church to church looking for the presence of God." Amen. God's presence is in every believer. Full stop. The day you give your life to Christ, that day Jesus dwells in you in the person of the Holy Ghost. God abides with you. Je- Jesus said, Oh Jesus, how do I do this now? He said the Holy Ghost will abide with you forever. Amen. So it's important that people understand what the presence of God is and be mindful of those prayers you pray. See, People sometimes think I pick on prayer points. Why don't I pick on that? Why do I pick on that? Because when you are praying to a very much extent, many times we, we mix emotions with what we say in prayer. Let me give you one hint. See, whatever you confess, whatever you say that you mix emotions with becomes more real to you. Yeah, anything you do in this world that you mix emotions with, you do emotionally, becomes more real to you. So, I tend to discourage people from saying some kind of funny prayer because I know that that will drive their reality, even though it's not the reality. Amen. So, if God's presence, if signs and wonders is what people use, or miracles, what people use as an indication or to measure, to gauge God's presence, we have a problem here because God's presence does not always manifest. And to a very much extent, it is people who manifest the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was teaching in a place, and as I was, teach- as I was teaching, the word of God hit a lady who was sitting at the back of the hall, and the manifestation was go- and I knew how that was going to go. I stopped the manifestation of God's power in that place. I didn't allow it to fly. All I needed to make you fly is, Father, we thank you, glory be to God. That statement will turn everybody because I could, I could say that some people, people will begin to pick it. I said, this is not going to happen. This, in this meeting, I'm teaching. I'm not manifesting God's power here because people will fall down under the power of the Holy Ghost and they will stand up with the same problem or with the same wrong t- thinking. So let me teach you correctly. So if you fall down under the power of the Holy Ghost, when you are rising up, you are rising up with a new mindset. You see, I'm not, those falling, those, they don't move me. If you fall, just make sure when you are standing up, you are not standing up with that demon or with that problem. Amen. So, people go to church and you see, you see people fall under the anointing. and Ah, the power of God is there. Some of them are under spells. They are under spells. I'm not saying that people don't fall under the anointing. I mean, I've prayed with people. There are people who just... I remember a woman, you know, she was standing with her baby. I just stepped... I think about maybe one meter away from her, and she just went down. I've seen all of that. I mean, there's a lady, there's a girl that, <laughs> she's funny, but that's a long story. You know, she wants to receive baptism the Holy Ghost. And um, she, kind of down, she kind of sighs me, I'm like, I don't have time for you. And uh, as I lay my hands on her shoulder, this lady was lifted from the floor up about, um, one, meter, uh, yeah, about one meter up, and then she went down. I've seen no manner of manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And I used to enjoy those views, those views back then, but that's what they anyway. were anyway. I've seen no manner. So that's why it doesn't move me, it doesn't bother me. Because someone can fall and the stick rise up. I remember a lady I prayed with, and I mean, I was praying with somebody else, and I can see she was responding to the power of the Holy Ghost. And I I I I spoke a word into her. She went, she fell, and she spinned from the back of the hall all the way to the front. But when she rose up, the problem was still there. But it didn't bother me. Falling doesn't bother me. So I call that, because this is how I see people falling under the power of the Holy Ghost. There is a, that is a response to something hitting them, the power of God hitting them. So the power of God and hits people and they don't fall. I have never fallen. I repeat, I have never fallen under the power of the Holy Ghost. One pastor pushed me one day. I said, I'm not falling. I was watching him as we're going to to the front to be laid hands on back, but that's back in the days. I noticed he was pushing people. So when it was about my turn, one leg back, one leg forward, he pressed me. I said, I'm not going. (laughs) He pushed me. And then when they got us to a corner, somebody said, some of you, when you are going to the front, and pastor wants to lay hands on you, you put one leg back, you put one leg forward. I'm like, is it by force? You must press people, push people. I'm a pastor and I'm telling you what I've done and what I will do again. I will not even go allow anybody to lay hands on me. That's, that's just it I want. I would not allow that. I get to me. You want to pray with people, you don't need to put your hand on their head. You can lay your hands on their shoulder. If Holy Ghost doesn't give you specific instructions to lay hands on people's head, let's be ourselves. Bring your head and lay hands on you. Don't try it on me. I will not even come forward anyway. That's why some of you have contacted some things you should not contact because you go and put your head on that. Somebody's hand. And you don't know what they are transferring. Somebody say, Are you condemning the laying on of our hands? I'm telling you, I'm very aware that there are all manner out there. Amen. Praise God. Right. You see now, you see, you see now why I'm repenting because there's a lot that God wants to share with you guys and I'll try to rush it, but we'll stay here. If it's seven weeks, we'll finish this one. Amen. Let's carry on. Amen. So, how do you gauge, judge, assess the presence of God? If it's by signs and wonders, you're looking in the wrong direction. Amen. You know, I was so proud of, one of, my, one, of our, one of our church family members. She went somewhere and they were doing an anointing service. Anointing service. <laughs> God in the bottle. What an insult on the power and the personality of God. Amen. Right, it's Captain Tune saying it. Nice one. I'll come to the word of God. Right. So the, the, the people were going forward to, to be laid hands on. And this sister said, she didn't move, she didn't go. Somebody said, are you not going? She said, no, no. she's listening to you. When she told me about it, I, I was, I, <laughs> you know how I'm proud of my people. I said, that's my people. We are the carriers of the anointing. The oil does not anoint us. The oil does not anoint us. We are anointed. Heavily anointed. Amen. I don't need goya oil. Extra virgin holy oil. No, I don't need that on my head. I carry the anointing. The Holy Ghost is the anointing. The Bible says how God. Let's 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 do this analysis. Acts ten thirty eight. Let's let's go there. Let's go there. Acts ten thirty eight. I'm having fun today. Yes, because I'm just back. Right. Acts ten thirty eight. Let's read it. Let's read it. Acts ten thirty eight. Let's see how. Let's see anointing. Let's see anointing. Let me read from. Please read. Listen carefully, as I'm about to read it, and don't run off. Acts ten thirty eight. So the Bible says. How God anointed Jesus with olive oil. Is that what it reads in your Bible? Or how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with extra virgin olive oil and with power? He anointed him with the Holy Ghost. So are you saying God came from heaven unto earth and poured oil on Jesus? But telling you are showing you the, dis, the anointing dispensation. The dis, <laughs> Lord, my English and grammar, Lord help me this morning. The dispensation of the anointing in the Holy Ghost. Even when they use oil in the Old Testament, the Bible tells you that when the oil came upon David, right, and the Holy Ghost came, there are two different things, the oil and the Holy Ghost. We don't need the oil. We have the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. We are still, this is the introduction. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, where am I now All right, all right, all right. right. Okay, let's move a little bit. So, the presence of God is not, as says, gauged, you know, perceived because of signs and wonders. We know there are principalities, powers, rulers of darkness who can intervene in the natural realm and cause stuff to happen. If you go back and read the story of uh, going to Exodus, Moses and Aaron, Moses, uh, Aaron chewed down his staff. He turned to snake. The sorcerers, they did the same thing. Many of the miracles and whatever plagues, whichever we call them, that happened, that Moses and Aaron did, the sorcerers did likewise. They did likewise. So miracles should not even surprise you. It should not be even what a believer is seeking for. So the two points I want to raise with us, I want to share with us today before we go. Now, the downsides of living a miracle-centered life. Now, last week I shared with us the story of uh, the pattern of the Red Sea by Moses. Let's go there. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Exodus 14. Exodus, 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 Exodus. Exodus 14, verse 10. Now, the Bible says, I'm going to read verse 10 to 16, and 21 and 22. I'm going to be fast a little bit. Please bear with me. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their heart. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched. Uh, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, "Because there were no graves." Look, listen to this. Watch this. Watch this. Now, this. Now, it's when I think about the children of Israel, sometimes my body just cringes. Like, what kind of human beings are these? But I'm going to tell you the kind of human beings they are. Right. I'm going to say a lot of stuff in this message. When you listen to the message again, you'll be able to take more much more notes than even what you're taking now and i'm glad you guys are taking notes now because i'm trying to put this together in one package for you guys one of the disadvantages of living a miracle christian uh, sorry a miracle centered christian life now look at this guys 10 plagues miracles was done in egypt right and despite everything that happened in egypt for them to be taken out of egypt these guys they got to the Red Sea. They just found a problem. Everything that the angels did to get them out of Egypt, I don't know how quickly they forgot. I don't understand. Now, look at this. So, they got to a point. They, got to, they, got, oh, they just got to a rough spot. Watch this. Now, verse 11, they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of e- bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not... Let me say that. That's okay. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that, than that we should die in the wilderness. See, look, look, look at people that... A lot of drama happened. People died to get them out. Just watch. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which it will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see, the Egyptians from, sorry, sorry, I got distracted there. <laughs> I got distracted. You know, I got distracted by this saying we used to say back then. The Egyptians you see today, you shall see them no more. And people make someone, service, conference out of it. Ah, we've been duped. Right, let's carry on. I got distracted, so apologies that. Now, a, let me take the verse Uh, 13 again, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me, tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Can you see that? And divide. He said, stretch and divide it. So Moses was a person standing in there to do the work of miracles. Amen? And divide it. So, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, if you look at that story properly, now, this is an ocean. To so part that sea for people to walk on dry ground, it takes a lot of machinery. I don't, I don't know what kind of machinery or manpower will be required, sophisticated enough to part that. I know they, bridge, they, they build a bridge over some River Thames and some other places. But this, was, this is not building a bridge. Even if we're going to build a bridge, it's going to be a lot of work. So, somebody parted this Red Sea. Watch this. Now, verse uh, 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. Verse 21. So, he stretched his hand, hand, and I was trying to explain to us that that's an example of a miracle because... That's a supernatural intervention, in the course of nature, patting that water for all night for people to walk on dry ground right. I went scuba diving uh, last week I'm going to share the videos with you guys because I, okay because of my time, guys, uh, I really wish to kind of have some fun with you guys today, but we, we're just after service. I right, get to me i don 't understand because I went deep down in the ocean i don't know how far I went, but I went deep deep right. <laughs> Don't tell us the number, right? So, so that they can they can think I went very very deep. I get to me. I, so, so I'm just thinking thinking about about it. This is, not, this is an ocean, and the Bible says a dry ground came out. So, angels filled the sand temporarily with hard rocks and all kinds for those guys to be able to go through. Because if, okay, let me not let's not go into details of that. But that's basically basically a miracle. Just watch this. Now, we also looked at another miracle in the time of Jesus. So, if you look at, let's go to chapter 16, before we come to Jesus. Uh, chapter 16. Uh, chapter 16, verse 1. Uh, let me read 1 to 3. And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we are died. Watch this. That we are died by the hand of the Lord in, in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pot of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Am I making any sense? All the miracles in Egypt was not enough for them, to convince, uh, for them to be convinced that God was with them and God was helping them. The pattern of the Red Sea and the elimination of the entire army of Israel, in a sense, was not good enough. But because they are now hungry, can you hear all the noises coming out of them? What am I trying to say? Now, the fact that miracles have been performed doesn't mean that people, let me see, let me see how I put it there. So I said, I just got one more inspiration on that one. But what I, the point I have here is, miracles can be performed by... Okay, uh, miracles doesn't mean that people will believe in Jesus or receive the gospel. Right. But the inspiration I just got now is this. The fact that miracles are being performed all the time in a people's life in a, in, a, in a local assembly among believers does not mean that people will believe God. Or people will stay true to God. Miracles can never guarantee that a person will have a solid relationship with the Father. Miracles don't guarantee that people will believe in God. Amen. So there's more examples there. If you look, go to verse 13 to 18, let me see what that... So 13 to 18 tells us about the mates that came. Let's read it. So it was that quays came up at evening and covered the camp, and the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of the dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And So, the, so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent, and it goes on and on there. Right. So that's an example of a miracle done through Moses. But the miracles that were uh, done through, I mean, the miracles that were through God in the Old Testament was done through a specific people. But well, in the New Testament, talking about the gift of the working of miracles, the Holy Spirit can walk through anybody at any point in time, depending on the need to work miracles. Now, if you look at the life of Moses and life of children of Israel, Moses was not just going about trying to do miracles to, you know, to show off. There was a need, and God stepped in for them. Amen. When miracles were not needed, there was no working of miracles. Amen. Right, so that's one. Let's look at this same example in the life of Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 2 to se- uh, 7. Let's go there. Guys, just bear with me. John, John, John. Can you imagine trying to do all of this in one service? See, why I was struggling last week. Right. So there was a wedding at Canaan, and Jesus said to them to tell people, you know, they ran out of wine. And um they needed wine, else they'd be embarrassed because they don't have wine to you know entertain their guests. Verse 7 says, Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted, the water was made wine. Now, this is water. Jesus told people, okay, they felt some jars with uh with the pots with water. And Jesus said, take that water. Take it to the master of the feast. What they took was water. What the master of the feast drank was quality wine. Now, naturally, if you were to make wine, you got to ferment sugar. There's a process to go through to make wine uh, with water and other substance. So yeast and that kind of stuff. But it was just a scoop of water. Supernaturally, angels when we with you that converted, you know, did all of the work supernaturally, and by by the time the water got to uh, the master of the feast, it was wine. That's a miracle. Right? So Jesus, so that's an example of a miracle in the life of Jesus. But I'm going somewhere so we can shut down. John chapter 6, let's go there. John 6. John 6, 5. I'll read quickly. I'll read from 5 to 14. It's quite a long read there, but let's go. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that this may eat? But this is said to test him, for he, he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a litum. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Five loaves, two fishes. Uh, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in, the, in, in, number, in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given things, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish and as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his people, gather up the fragment and that, not, that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and it goes on and on. So what are we talking about? Jesus, with five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish, fed 5,000 men plus women plus children. Watch this, verse 14, carefully. Then those men, when they, had, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is come into the world. Right, Verse 15, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself. Now, can you, do you hear what they said? They said, this is truly the prophet who is coming to the world. These people said it themselves. This, you know, Looking at this miracle, like, when they say the prophet, they believe that they're talking about Jesus because they've read in the, in, in the prophets, in Moses, that Jesus was to come. Listen to what this, these people themselves you know, attest that, no, this must be Jesus. I guess because of what they read that Jesus was going to be the king of the Jews, in a sense, so they thought they should make him a king to deliver them from the rule and the control of the Roman Empire. That's another thing. But Jesus did what? He stepped aside. Uh, miracle worker. Listen to me carefully. Miracle worker. Are you still there? Miracle worker. Um, Jesus did miracle based on the need at that time. Right? So, um, the subject of miracle workers, the fact that somebody did a miracle does not mean that you make them lord over your life. And the overseer and the controller of your destiny. Miracle worker, did you hear that? And subject of miracle worker, did you hear that? When God do miracles through us, is to bless the people, to glorify his name. Not for us to become king over the people. And even, even if the people want to make you a king over them, because that's not your calling, if they want to put you on a pedestal or in a position... That is not your calling. You don't take it. Because you went to a church and, they, and a miracle happened to you, they now say they want to make you assistant pastor or senior something and you take it. Why? And pastors, because somebody do, the gift of the Spirit worked in someone's life does not mean that you take them into leadership because the working of the the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit is no indication of the character and maturity of any believer. Because when these gifts manifest in people, there's no condition. It's not conditional on their level of maturity as a believer. So miracle worker, right? When they want to make you, put you into a position, don't take it. If God has not called you or asked you to take it. God did not work miracle in you to give you a status or a throne. Amen. And subject of miracle workers... The fact that someone, God walked miracle through someone in your life does not mean you make them a God over your life or your boss or you make them a mini Jesus. Let's get it clear. Look at the example of Jesus. I say all the time, if people look at the example of Jesus, the, the, the manipulations and the abuse we have in the church today, we're not going to be there because Jesus did not demonstrate some nonsense that we see in the church today. He, he, he didn't teach us that way. So it comes to show, to, to show that if Christians don't know Jesus, they cannot know who looks like him or who is walking according to his principles. So if you don't read your Bible, if you, don't, if you don't read your Bible, if you are not a Christian, if you are not a follower of Christ, you can't know the ones that are followers of Christ. Amen. To wrap up, thank you for the extra five minutes. Glory be to, your, um, glory be to God. You guys are so generous. Glory be to God. Now, I want us to look at verse. I'll wrap up here. 25, 26, this is crucial. When I said, the fact that people, the fact that we do miracles in people's lives does not mean they will believe. Watch this, watch this. Verse 25, let's go there. Now, they, they called him prophets, right? In verse 14. And 15, they tried to make him king, right? 25. He said, and when they found him, so Jesus left so after the old show, Jesus left for, is it Capernaum something? So they left the place, the other side of the river in a sense. And uh, let's carry on. 25. So in case you see the next day. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come? When did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, let me interpret this to you in, in our current day. Now, when you minister or invite people to your local church with miracles, you know, prosperity, this, this, that, that, depending on their appetite. Now, even if God is doing miracles in your, in, through your church, right, to bless people, if what you communicate to people is what will wet their appetite or feed their covetousness. Now, when they what will keep bringing them is what they want. So they'll become a Christian who come to church based on what they want. And Christianity is not about what people want. It's about giving people the word of life, training people in words of righteousness so that they can do the work of ministry. So if what you preach and communicate and the flyers you send out is miracles, miracles for these. People will look at the list of the miracles. They look for the one that is more particular to them. The one that, the, the one that they want. And they come to church for that. And when the miracle is in a sense, when they, when they are not getting what you entice them with, they will leave. So pastors to a very much extent are the one of the contributors to the instability and the instability of many Christians today. The lack of maturity in believers today because what you use to entice them is what you most use to keep them. And miracles cannot be done 24-7. When you, Some people don't need the miracle in their life. The miracle they need in their life is to be able to sit down and read the Bible for themselves. The best miracle some believers need is to be able to sit down and study the Word and understand it. And don't insult your husband. Don't insult your wife. That's the miracle some people need. So the miracle some people need is to be able to shut their mouth. You know, some, there are some wives that when the husband say one, they have said ten. The miracle they need in that family is for the wife to come under the control or to subject themselves to the power of the Holy Ghost and shut their mouth when they need to shut it. Amen. So this is that. So Jesus said to them, not even the signs that, that, that points to the glory and the power of the Father, not even those ones brought you here, is because you ate bread. So what is taking you to church? What you want, what, what's your appetite? Is that what is taking you to church? If that is what is taking you to church, you are not a Christian yet. You are not a believer. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I mean it. It is scriptural. If you go to church because of what you want to get, you don't know Christ yet. Amen. If you said, then what am I? Send me a message in my inbox. Amen. Now, Jesus said to them, verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now, let's go to 53. So, 53 says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. So, Jesus was not telling them what they need, you know, eternal life. He is eternal, in him is eternal life. You know, you need need, he is my flesh and my blood. And what Jesus meant is not communion. Oh, The flesh and the blood here is not only communion. That's like many people say, no. Jesus is saying that if you believe in me. Now, if you think holy communion is what Jesus is talking about here, does holy communion give you eternal life? And holy communion is about eating the bread and the wine. What if I tell you I don't believe in holy communion? Ha, 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 riots don't start. Ha, 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 no, I don't believe in it. Can people have communion? Yeah. But communion will never save you. Can we do communion? I, I will teach you communion in the New Testament. Communion in the New Testament is not bread and wine. I'll teach you one day. Amen. So this is not Holy Communion. Because Holy Communion will not give eternal life. Watch that. Now, the, the moral of the story, where I'm going is this. Thank you for your extra five minutes. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, let's, go. Let's, let, let, let's, let's take it to the end. But let's go to 66. So after Jesus taught them, right? Verse 66 says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Who are those? Disciples, followers of Christ. So when we are enticed people with miracles, and they come in and they're following you, they're dedicated. When you start teaching them the word of life, many will leave you. Because what you used to bring them is miracles. And now you want to give them... Now, word of life, this is my own principle. And based on what I see in the Bible, any pastor is free to do whatever they want to do. But I say to you, whatever you used to entice people, to invite them, is what you have to use to keep them. Amen. And one of the ways you can easily divide your church is to bring entice people with miracles. Because if miracles are no longer happening through you, and one brother in church seems to be walking miracles, they will go in his direction. Amen. They will go in his direction because you have raised gullible people. Amen. But do you know why they left Jesus? Because they did not understand what he taught. Take your time to read that book of, uh, properly. Let me, let me go down, down. Yeah. Let me see if I can get it from 53 to 58. Let me see that. Uh, 53 to. But please take your time to read. This book of uh, John chapter 6, you would, you would get the full gist properly. Because a long verse, I, and because of our time, I didn't want to go into much detail. Right? But I'm, I'm calling out a few the key verses to you there. So the Bible tells us to us in verse 68 there. It says, verse 67. no no Verse 66. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But leave that aside. What I'm trying to say towards us is it. Jesus' disciple left him. Jesus. Not Moses. Not Captain Sunday. Jesus. Because, he may, because they did not understand the word of eternal life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The, these disciples, not just ordinary followers or you know, listeners. Disciples. Dedicated followers left him. Many. So miracles as I shut down Miracles, what can, what miracles does, there's what of miracles, I'm, I'm sure you would get that, right, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm touching on it, but miracles has a lot, living a miracle-centered Christian life has a lot of downside to it. So let's ask ourselves, am I a miracle-centered, am I living a miracle-centered Christian life? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus for your word that's has come to us today.